Good afternoon and welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Leadership Tools and Strategies. It is a wonderful day at the very tail end of June and I hope that you are doing well. Today we are joined by our founder and president of Center Vision Leadership Foundation, none other than the amazing Hugh Ballou. We're going to jump in in just a moment and start talking about the Nonprofit Excellence Workshops. Before we do that, want to do a couple things as quick points of reminder. As always, so thrilled that you're here joining us. And if you've missed any previous episode of the Nonprofit Exchange, the easy way to find them, go to hangouts.centervisionleadership.org. And you can see the archives available at that website. Want to also remind you of the opportunity to join the community. Uh, we have an amazing community that's growing of nonprofit leaders across the social benefits spectrum and across the globe. Want to invite you to come and join us at centervisionleadership.org. You can register there to become part of the community. Also, want to remind you if you haven't yet, make sure you check out the June issue of Nonprofit Performance Magazine. Our June focus is on giving for impact. And a little bit of feedback here. All right, sorry for just one second. All right, we've had some technical issues as we've gone forward today, and uh, we're working some of those kinks out. Uh, Hugh, can you hear me? I'm on live on my computer. All right. So, so whatever happened has gone away. All right. Can you hear me? I can hear you. As long as you can hear me, we are good. I'm good, despite Fantastic. my age, despite my age and mental condition. <laughs> All right, Hugh. So it's been a little while since we've had you on talking about things that are happening, and we're excited to bring you back into the community to expose all of our wonderful uh, audience here to the things that you're doing. But uh, really want to hone in on some, some work that you've been doing lately for Center Vision here in the Nonprofit Excellence Workshop, uh, the Leadership Excellence Workshop. You've been crossing the country, you've been talking to nonprofit leaders in various cities, been holding these intimate workshops in which you've been building collaboration, you've been talking about some really important leadership skills. And you've been doing that uh, from an amazing point of view. So, Hugh, if you would, for just a second, uh, would you give us kind of a broad background on why you recognized or what you recognized as the need in this uh, for this nonprofit leadership excellence workshop? Thank you, Todd. You know that um, I did serve the church for 40 years, and I served larger churches. So people thought because I was there that I was smart and could do things, so they'd ask me to come in and work with their community organization or church. And I started seeing um, consistent patterns, and it's what we call leadership. And leadership is a culture, transformational leadership is a culture, like an orchestra is a culture, a high-functioning culture of very unique individuals. And in working with my local community foundation and some other nonprofits, we started putting our heads together in the Community Foundation um, several years ago has said one of their initiatives is what they call capacity building. Mm -hmm. We have a really good vision. We have really good people. Somehow we're limited in our ability to execute and implement that vision and get it funded. 
And I think a big piece of it is is around the resonance of why we have are, are here for Center Vision Leadership Foundation. It's about creating a culture of high performance, about this collaborative sense. And so I asked people if they'd like to learn about leadership. I created this curriculum mm -hmm. and people went through it and have gone through it for years and I've been fine tuning it, upgraded it just recently. And now I've done three in-person workshops and I've got three more scheduled for the, the leader of the organization, organization, the rabbi, the pastor, the executive director, and the primary um, lay leader or, or volunteer, they call it, uh, mm -hmm. the, the board chair. So this primary stakeholder or maybe a major donor because the organization changes when the leader changes. Yeah. So we're, we're looking at transformational leadership as a culture of high functioning leadership. So we're going through my entire leadership curriculum in one day and they walk out with a notebook. They walk out with a subscription to the magazine and a full year's membership in the online community. So it's not yeah. only just the, the content, but it's the follow-up conversation that's important. So that was a long answer, but it's instead of the title, um, Nonprofit Leadership Excellence Workshop is kind of boring. doesn't describe what we do. It's more like uh, the social benefit empowerment se uh, session. Mm. I'm, I'm working on a new name for it, but uh, that's basically what it is. People, I used to call rehearsals attitude adjustment. My job as the, as the leader is for people to go out feeling better than they came in. And so yeah. the ones so far, not only are people feeling better, energized, focused, and equipped, but there's this sense of collaboration that happens within the group, which is great. Sure, Hugh, and I, I think that's one of the things that's really unique here. A lot of times when we go to these workshops, summits, seminars, whatever they are, the most we ever leave with of somebody else is maybe a business card. Uh, but we don't really have that opportunity to sit down and, and to dig into this. And it sounds like what you're doing here is you're creating that collaborative environment where people recognize that their point in this community is not just for their organization, but it's really how do we grow our organizations to impact our community? Is that correct? And that's what we preach day in and day out um, is the collaboration, cooperation, Trump's competition. And um, we don't, we haven't been taught, we haven't grown up in this collaborative culture in any community. So we have these isolated organizations doing similar work when in fact, if we looked at doing it together, um, it would be a lot more powerful. And so some of the work in the past uh, that I've done with individual organizations, we've now created an alliance. For instance, we did a project of building a strategy and, and execution for a historic house, Alexander Black, one of the founders of Blacksburg, one of the sons of the founders. And um, in that process, there was what we call a new architecture of engagement. People mm. learned how to work together in a very different way. And, and one of the initiatives was to have a, a communications strategy. And we had lots of arts groups. So one of the major things that came out was one of the other nonprofits, uh, the community partnership, the Blacksburg Partnership, which represents the town and the university and the, and the business community, mm -hmm. um, took that on said, look, we've got the list, we've got the horsepower. So that collaboration has manifested in weekly uh, sessions where the arts community gets together and they hear a presentation, they learn about something and they, they have a, an ongoing conversation about how we do things together. So mm -hmm. one simple thing was an outgrowth 
and now we're looking at, you know, with these people that came, we did one last week in Blacksburg and there's people I didn't know in my own community, which is interesting because there's only 30,000 residents in Blacksburg, but people came and said, look, we ought to get together on doing a couple of things. So that's a win-win in my book. Yeah, and I think this is such a, an intriguing framework. And Hugh, I know you shared you've got a handful of them that are coming up here soon. You've been in Chicago now. You've been in Blacksburg. You've been in uh, North Carolina. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you've got coming up, you said you'll be in, uh, is it? I'm going to be in um, in um, Indianapolis, Indy, Okay. Um, in uh, on uh, July 21st at the Oasis of Hope uh, Baptist Church in Indianapolis. And then in the following month, on the 13th of August, I will be at the Kersher, Historic Kersher Congregation, Israel, in uh, downtown Philadelphia. Okay. And so the bounds are not, there's no boundaries or lines drawn to separate us. We're all human beings doing really good work in our community. So we come together. So we have the Baptist, we had the Community Foundation last week. We had a independent nonprofit in Chicago. We had a church in Greensboro, and now we have this this synagogue in Philadelphia. So I'm really loving the diversity of the kinds of settings and the people who have bought into this. And Hugh, one of the things you touched on briefly is the the recognition in the social benefit world. We kind of all are struggling with some of the same things, whatever uh, type of organization we are, whether we're a 501c3, a 501c6, or some variants uh, in, in between there we see a lot of these organizations and they're dealing with that same thing. And you, you mentioned the idea of capacity or capacity building seems to be one of the, the common buzzwords that's used significantly. And now as I look at your workshop, as I look at what's happening through this, one of the things that I see is you have a very unique structure to capacity building. And you do this in part through uh, your, your focus on transformational leadership. And then in part, you're bringing together your 40 years plus of, of choral conducting and orchestra conducting. And you've kind of used some really unique um, cornerstones to this, if, if you would. Um, it, would you talk with us a little bit about kind of the four pieces that set up the, the nonprofit workshop itself? Yes, and I'm doing a mini version in um, Grand Rapids, Michigan at the Amway uh, conference center in um, for a group of it's called the National Pastoral Musicians, the Catholic musicians. I'm doing their leadership, and we're doing the same principles. And so the the first principle, the conductor knows the score. You step on the podium, you know the score in and out. You know where you're going. You know how you're going to get there, and you've worked on your skill set, and you convene the community, all of whom have their action plan in the form of notes. And so that's the foundation. What do we stand for? What's our vision, mission? What are our specific objectives? And can we communicate that? And are we the leader? Have we equipped ourselves? And number one, a leader is a person of influence. Mm -hmm. The conductor is perceived to be this dictator. Well, in fact, you got a little white stick. I don't think you can make anybody do anything, especially union musicians that are going to be out of there in two hours or be on overtime. So we influence people. So the first pillar is foundations. What are we about? What are our skills? And then we build a culture. The second one, I hire the best players. So you hire the best. You don't want an average oboe player. You don't want an average timpani player. You don't want an average trumpet player. You want the best. So you surround yourself with the best people. So the second pillar is relationships, leadership, communication, 
funding. It's based on building and maintaining really effective relationships. Third pillar is in music, even the best orchestras and choirs in the world rehearse for every performance. We don't do that in organizations. So it's, it's, it's learning to rehearse and learning to rehearse the right notes, not the wrong notes. Mm -hmm. So the third pillar is rehearse for success. It's about systems. We got a good vision, got great goals. We got really good people, but we put good people onto a dysfunctional board and we have boring, unproductive meetings. So I pack the, the meeting, how to conduct power pack meetings. It's attitude adjustment. It's making people understand the, the value and connect with their passion. And then the dysfunctional things like the search committee and the annual review and the job description. We've, we've got these, these low thinking, low functioning things we've been putting in place for years and we have to get out of this trap. The last one is the one that makes the other three work in music rests are there for a very specific reason. It's punctuation, mm -hmm. it's this clarity. So that's about balance. We must be balanced spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, uh, to be the best leader. If we're tired out, we're not any good to anybody. It's about balancing all the priorities, balancing work and life, and then being in balance ourselves. So we are the best we can be. So those are the pillars. And then for each session, it turns out differently because I ask people, what are the hot things? What are the big mm. things you're dealing with? What question do you want to answer today? And we put them on a storyboard. And before we leave, we make sure we've addressed all of those issues. They happen in the course of the day or they happen as we review and we pull it together. But what's happened in these events is people start saying, let's work together. And the Community Foundation here is working on an ongoing capacity building with the Leadership Institute. And so that it, that it lifts up their work. We collaborate with them. We collaborate with everyone. So I feel really good that we've put in place something bigger than any one of us can do alone. Sure. Hugh, as you see it, or as you've been around now the country and you, you've had some of these discussions, what are some of the types of questions or issues that seem to be kind of normal almost, so to speak? I've got people in positions. One of the organizations was 40 years old. They had founding members still in the board, still doing the same jobs. Mm -hmm. And apathy has set in. Well, we're doing okay. Um, I find that the, the top leaders and the top organizations are always working to get this fine tuning, this ensemble piece, this extra synergy of, of team and get a little bit better. And it's not about working harder or looking for perfection. It's about really achieving the fullness of the vision. And in the church, you know, God's given us a vision to fulfill. And are we in tune with that? And are we giving our best work to it? Um, so we tend to get into this, this minimalist thinking mm -hmm. in our community organizations and in our religious organizations, which is really contrary to what we teach. Um, and so one of the, the consistent things is my board is really not engaged. And as a, as a conductor is in rehearsal and we don't get what we want, the first thing we do is look in the mirror. Mm -hmm. What they see is what I get. And so to convince the leaders that in order to change any group culture, the leader must change. And then the culture responds to that. So we inadvertently and unknowingly create some conflict, create confusion, create the stuff because we don't, we don't want to be unkind to people. 
and we want people to like us. So one of the challenges is how do we lead in a situation where we've inherited a low forming team? Hmm. How do we then bring on the high performers? How do we develop a succession plan? Um, how do we position the, the vision and the, and the objectives with our funding efforts? And how do we not waste a lot of time on a bake sale and raise $100 when if everybody had given a dollar, we would have a lot more money and, and you know, wouldn't have spent all that time on something that, that really is not productive? Those are the kinds of things that come up more than once. Yeah, it seems these are the kinds of questions uh, that we hear a lot. I mean, whether we're talking to other people through this program or uh, we're looking at the, the words that are coming in from our authors, our contributors in the magazine, th there's some primary challenges that it seems over and over again. And, and I guess one of the big challenges is that sense of how do we adapt? Uh, there was a, a, a book uh, that one of the, the frames that they have perspective is we're now in a permanent state of whitewater. Uh, that idea that we're constantly seeing churn uh, so so things are changing and they're moving and, and the question is are we able to keep up with that that movement and, and it seems that what you're talking about is uh, you're not talking about a, a a one size fits all or a silver bullet but you're talking about giving people a tool set to be able to frame their own organization to frame their own team to frame their own leadership to be able to fit the the situation, the context that's there. Is that, am I understanding this correctly? You're spot on. It's it's tools, strategies, systems, and skills. And I overlay the work of Burns and Bass as they've defined transformational leadership. I've, I've redefined it in the musical analogy. Mm -hmm. And I've redefined it not in academic terms, but in where the rubber hits the road things I have done in the past that work. And there were two people in the workshop um, this last Friday that were from organizations that I had done work three, four, five, six years in the past, and it has come to fruition. And so they could say, yep, people, these things work. One person I knew, one person is new in the organization and had inherited the plan and the culture that I was a part of, of, of impacting in the past. And they were able to say to the rest of this group, this is not just theory, this is stuff that works. I felt really affirmed by that. Yeah, I, I think that's a really exciting piece. And, and again, as you kind of laid out for us those those four pillars, the foundations, relationships, systems, and balance, it's something I think that we can each identify with. And one of the, I guess, the greatest struggles that we have in, in the social benefit sector is oftentimes we're really well equipped for our mission. We're really well equipped for our cause, whether that's uh, a religious organization or a, a social service uh, sector position. We're, we're really, we're passionate about it and we're really well equipped. And yet there's a lot of nuances that come with this organizational development, organizational leadership, organizational management uh, of the nonprofit or social benefit sector that creates the, the struggles for us. And so uh, I know you raised one of them. And obviously one of the things I think we tend to hear over and over again is, is how do we develop and how do we lead a board? Um, the, the board relationship, I think, tends to be one of those really unique things that what is the, uh, what's the similarity that we see in the rest of life? Um, I, I joke with uh, students as they're coming out and they're preparing for interviews. I said, you know, 
an interview is not like a first date, you know, we, we've had those first dates and we've had those ongoing conversations. You don't typically sit down and ask some of these kinds of questions. And I think one of the struggles that we have with, with our, our boards is really the organization. We don't have the rest of our ducks in a row so that we're able to onboard in a correct way. Um, you talk about that sense of relationships. You talk about getting the right people on the team. How do we know if we have the right person on the team? I mean, what are the, the kinds of tests that we have for us? And I know um, Hugh, uh, Andy Morikawa, who's been an advisor to CenterVision from the early days, Andy talks about kind of a process uh, by which we see if, if a person's the right fit. And it's not just certainly dumping them right into the board, but it's allowing them to prove themselves over the test of time. Hugh, would, would you kind of maybe speak a little bit to some of the pieces that we see to building that sense of culture? Well, and it's, it's similar to bringing on a new staff member. And I do work with organizations on the hiring process. I had one church that was hiring four new staff members simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And so we were able to engage over a period of time. It's, it's understanding the, the long view. What's, what's the, the objectives, the, the plan for the church or the organization? But there's a four-step process for bringing in a board member or a staff member. It's the same. Competency. Does that person have a competency in something? You bring a person on the, on the, on the board, the second one is a role. What role will they play if they're really good at marketing? They're really good at networking. They're really good at networking with people who have money. So they have a competency in something. So that's why they're on the board. Their role is built around that competency and their responsibility is to execute a plan around that competency to develop and implement and help the organization evaluate the marketing plans. Because we, we've got to market, even though we're not a business, we have some business principles and, and processes. And the fourth one is the assimilation piece. So we want in, in, in the first one, we look at the resume, uh, find out you know, who they are, what their background is. Second one, have they really connected with what we want them to do on the board? And mm -hmm. third one, are they connected with the culture? So the, the third piece is an interview. Here are our guiding principles. This is how we make decisions. And a good example in a high performing culture would be Disney, any Disney park or any Southwest Airlines flight everybody in the organization understands the culture. Yeah. So the buy into the culture, yes, they're, they got a skill set, but do they buy into the, our vision, our mission and the culture we've created? Yeah. And the fourth one is how do we help them get up to speed? It's the assimilation, which more, more and more organizations don't even think about. Just, just come in and we tell people, join the board. It'll be fine. You'll get it. Well, we need to prepare them have a partner is going to help them get up to speed and build it into the culture and then to have a process for staff or board that it's rotation you rotate the board a third of the time every three every three years you got a new board but you got the old people the new people and the continued people so you've got some continuity and some past wisdom and people can re-up maybe once but not for 40 years <laughs> so <laughs> is that is that the kind of thing you're looking for there's several dimensions to getting a right fit yeah i think that's really significant to us and and i guess what we really want to dig into here as we look at this concept here today is all of us are facing challenges um, and our challenges may be board it may be onboarding a staff member it may be funds attraction it may be a number of different things and really what it sounds like is through the these uh nonprofit leadership excellence workshops that are happening across the country folks are are getting 
they're, they're digging into them. It's not, not, we're not talking about them at the 10,000 foot level. We're talking about them specifically in their organizations, giving them tools as well as building a collaborative process, right? Uh, building people around them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we've been taught things wrong. We've inherited systems that are low performing. And I mentioned one body of research, Burns and Bass and transformational leadership as a style of leadership. And a musical ensemble is a good example of everybody's skill, but they function together at a much higher level. And we as leaders don't make it happen. We as leaders create the inspiration and the space for it to happen so people can do it. They're paying attention. They're listening. The other body of research is from Murray Bowen, B-O-W-E-N, psychiatrist, who created a leadership system, Bowen Family Systems. And it, it integrates really well. It's not the same as transformational leadership, but it's like a 3D chess set. It gives you a whole other dimension mm. to the human behaviors. Yeah. And, it, and it's about us as leaders managing ourselves. So the conductor influences what happens directly. It's in real time. We as a leader, it, it unfolds over time. It is a response to what we do. And we're not responsible for doing everything. We are responsible for setting the bar in setting the parameters for behavior and modeling what we want to see people doing. Sure. Now, now Hugh, I know you talked about a number of things that a person that attends the workshop comes away with. You mentioned a subscription to the magazine, the, the four issues uh, uh, per year uh, that we publish of Nonprofit Performance uh, Magazine. You mentioned the community. Uh, the community is, is really, it's an ongoing uh, continuation of, of the workshops but building it across a larger network for, for folks across the globe. Uh, you mentioned they, they come away with some physical tools that they've got uh, from that, that environment. So, so somebody's listening here, Hugh, they're watching, they're listening, they're, they're joining us today. How do they bring one to their locale? How, how do they recognize, how do they work with a, a partnering agency maybe in town to bring uh, the workshop there? That's a great question because we want to do one in a major city every month. And um, all it requires is that a person be a champion and invite people. We, we rent the facility, we pay the costs, we bring the curriculum, we do everything. Um, it's just we need somebody that's going to be a convener. A good convener would be a chamber of commerce, um, a community foundation, a university, um, you know, a church that, that has an affinity for leadership and wants to nurture leadership in the community. And they go to nonprofitworkshop.com. I think it's com. It might be org. Nonprofit workshop. Um, I have to test that out real quick. But it, it takes you to the, the anchor page and info at centervisionfoundation.org. Centervisionfoundation.org um, leads you to us, you and me, and we will respond with uh, where is an open date. And it takes about four months to prep and to lay down the tracks for people to understand because people have so many messages flying by their head. That's the whizzing sounds, whoosh, all the impressions on their brain every day from social media and email. So we need a chance for them to understand uh, what the value is. So they go away with a full curriculum, which by itself is, is a $500 value. The communities uh, for two years is $160 value. The magazine's $20 value. And then we have follow-up mastermind after the event. And that's another strong value. So it's it's at least a thousand dollars worth of value, and they can they can up to the the full year at the the leader level in the community, which means you have facilitated conversations live, master facilitated masterminds, 
which is of great value. So there's there's several portals. There's a couple of prices that people can choose, and they can come in at a lower price and then upgrade. If sure. The the higher level integrative uh, interactive membership to the community. So that's that's a lot of value that yeah, we're, and, giving, and, we're giving people. We want people to be in conversation. Yeah. One of the things uh, I think a lot of folks is as they hear this, they're they're probably thinking, well. If I'm the convener, what what's my role, and how many do I need to bring to the table? What what's kind of the standard for the number of people? Are we are are you looking for a massive audience? Are you looking for an intimate audience? Are you looking for some level in between? What tell us a little bit about what kind of the framing looks like? Chicago and Blacksburg were 13. It was in an intimate setting in a in a, in a boardroom, and it was a good interactive group. The one in Greensboro was 400, <laughs> and the preacher said, "Y'all come." And they came, so it was in a church, and it was a power-packed, um, power-packed time. Um, you know, the there's there's different dynamics with different size groups. So a, a convener would invite people. A host would help us identify the local leaders. Now I have found that at every event there have been entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. business leaders, and it's the same thing. They're empowering a board, empowering staff. They're they're bringing people to their vision. So the, the, the principles are the same, and they've gotten a lot out of collaborating with the social benefit community. So a convener is a one that helps us identify who could come, and, and they invite, if it's the Chamber of Commerce or Community Foundation, they already have constituents that are, are in the social benefit section or sector or church. So inviting the people you know and saying, we're going to do something together, and it's, it's, it's a huge value for everyone. Absolutely. Well, Hugh, thank you so much for sharing this with us. I think this is one of those really exciting things. There's a lot of times we don't know what we don't know, and we don't always know what's happening around us. And so if we can bring that those folks to the table, if we can bring our community together throughout the social benefit sector, then there's an opportunity for us to extend a conversation, to grow our impact in an organization, and to be able to provide some some sense of, of instruction and growth as we very proactively engage the opportunities in our community. And I think uh, the fact that we've, we've seen a positive impact from your work uh, in Greensboro, in Chicago, in Blacksburg, and uh, the growing communities that are, are coming on board here, uh, it just lets us know that this is something that does resonate with, with people. Uh, I, I know that there are sometimes these these massive big workshops and and we sit and we're one of a hundred or so in a room and so maybe we don't have that uh, that direct connection with the instructor we don't have that direct connection with the person to the right the person to the left uh, but really this is an opportunity to dig deep and, and a great deal of content uh, that's been proven and tested over the course of time so really want to thank you for for that work that you're doing uh, want to encourage folks if they haven't uh, to check it out Easy way as well, if, you, if you've if you never, uh, find them on Twitter at, at Hugh Ballou, or you can find us here at CenterVision uh, on, on Twitter at, at SVNPO Foundation. And that's an easy way to find us as well, uh, always through the website, uh, centervisionleadership.org. So want to thank you for joining us. Hugh, want again, thank you for the great work that you're doing. Encourage folks, if you haven't yet seen more by Hugh, uh, you can always find him in each issue of the magazine. Uh, Hugh always is, is uh, providing a great deal of contribution to uh, the content that we have there. He's our publisher, or one of our co-publishers, excuse me. 
and uh, always one of our contributors there as well. So Hugh, thank you for joining us. Appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to share with us this great content. I'm, I'm passionate about this and people may be viewing this in a, a date far past when we're recording it. This is an ongoing program. So we're looking, we'll be announcing. So you go to that leadershipworkshop.org and you'll find where the next ones are. So it's an ongoing program and we can come to your community. Certainly, if there's not one that's scheduled for your town, uh, let us know and we will work towards that. So thank you again for joining us for the Nonprofit Exchange Leadership Tools and Strategies. So thrilled to, as always, be engaged with you on the deep issues impacting the social benefit sector. Thank you so much and have a great day. Bye-bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.